is Christ alone that our hope is found. Hallelujah. Father, we exalt you. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, found through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease My comforter, my only Lord Here in the love of Christ I stand Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on the cross as Jesus died. The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness lay, then bursting forth in glorious day. Out from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory. Since Christ has lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from his hand. Till he returns or oh, calls me home Here in the power of Christ I stand No power, no power of hell No scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns Oh, call 
built me home here in the power of Christ I stay and today we want to look at part two of decrypting righteousness or understanding righteousness as a force of eternal life first John chapter 5, the verse number 11. First John chapter 5, the verse number 11. And we're reading all the way to 13. The scripture says, and this is the record, or this is the testimony that God has given to us. God is not going to give to us. The scripture says he has already what? Given to us eternal life. And so you and I, the moment we are born again, we are initiated into eternal life. And this life, the scripture says, is in his son. Is in his son, verse 12. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of God has not life. So it doesn't matter what you believe you may believe in God, but if you don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. And Wednesday we saw how you receive eternal life. The Bible says with your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess. With your heart you believe unto righteousness, and with your mouth you confess unto salvation. Verse number 13, and it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So we said that one way by which we become sons of God or one way by which we receive eternal life is to believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, that ye may what? Know, idol, that ye may know, the Greek word is idol, that ye have eternal life. You may become aware or acquainted with eternal life. In other words, you may understand the mechanics of eternal life. That there are dimensions of eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, so how does the name of the Son of God become real to you? That is when eternal life is finding expression in your life. What is eternal life? We have expressed what eternal life is. The Bible says eternal life is knowing God as the Father, as your Father, and being able to have fellowship with him in the book of John, chapter number 17, the verse number 2 and 3, especially verse 3. Hallelujah. It says, and as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So Jesus is the one that gives eternal life. And he says, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is knowing God as your father. 
that means becoming a son. And we've established already on Wednesday that the way to become a son is to receive placement. That means that you refuse to become a child and a babe. You have moved from maturity and maturity through the word of God. You have been instructed in the doctrine of righteousness. Then the scripture says you will mature into sonship to begin to understand the mechanics of eternal life. Then it says eternal life will begin to find full expression through you. Through who? Knowing Jesus as a true God whom he has sent. Then John chapter number 10, the verse number 9 and 10. John chapter 10, the verse number 9 and 10. It says, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. This is Jesus speaking. He says, by me, I'm the door. And as many that go through me, they find what? Pasture. Then it says, the thief. Cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, that they might have life. Which means that the life they had, and the one he is giving them now, are different. This is not natural life. He says that they might have life. Which life? Eternal life. And that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus Christ came to give us what? Eternal life and to give us that life more abundantly. How do we then experience that eternal life? We experience that eternal life in our spirit man that takes hold of our our outward man. What is eternal life? We have also said that eternal life is the zoe of God or the life of God that causes man, the life of God in a man, that causes the man to live as an associate of the God kind. Uh, the life of God in a man that makes the man to walk like God. Hallelujah. But this cannot happen without understanding what made you to have eternal life. And so Romans chapter number 5, the verse number 12, all the way to down. It says, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and they were moved away from the presence of the Lord. The verse number 13, and what happened to them, the scripture says, because their disobedience is now called in, some, in, in Romans 5.12, sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, they graduated through the, the, the ages until Moses initiated the law. The law in itself was holy, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned, but the law only made man to become inadequate in themselves, to know that they cannot save themselves. But aside that, the law also made it possible for men to now see sin and know what sin is, and they died because the scripture says the law is the law of condemnation and the law of death and sin, or sin and death. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So the first Adam was a figure of him that was to come, Jesus Christ. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. So grace is a force of eternal life. 
as well, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. So the grace of God that came in the person of Jesus Christ brought what? The grace of God that also gave us eternal life. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. So every man that was that sinned in Adam, the first Adam, was condemned and judged. Judgment came upon them and the judgment for sin is death. Romans 3.23, don't go there. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is death. So, the judgment and condemnation brought death. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. That's a big word. It says, but the free gift, so there was a free gift that was given, is of many offenses even though many may go through a lot of offenses, but there will be justification at the end. Why? Because of the sacrifice of one man. Verse 17, then it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive. The word receive there means lambano. Lambano means to seize and take a hold of. They which receive the abundance of grace. So what you do is you seize on the grace of God. That is a force. You seize on the grace of God and of the gift of righteousness. What it also means is that you seize the gift of righteousness to be able to what? To reign in life. The Amplified Version means to king in life. Can you give me the 17 Amplified Version? And I will take that again. Hallelujah. It says, verse 17 in Amplified. It says, for if because for if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reign through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness. So the gift we are talking about here that was given to humanity was the gift of what? Righteousness. It is what made Christ to be in right standing with the Father that gave us the right to also what? Stand with the Father. Putting them into right standing with himself. He says, and the free gift of righteousness, that is putting them into what? Right standing with himself. Reign as kings in life. Which life? This life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Praise the Lord. Verse 18. Let's go back to King James, please. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life or justification of eternal life. Hallelujah. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So you see here that righteousness, you are made righteous. You don't become righteous as a result of your actions. So your actions notwithstanding is not what makes you righteous. You are made righteous because on the account of Christ. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. 
But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the law made sure that sin became very abundant, that we could see sin more, that we could identify sin on every 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 level. But as sin is identified, it is the grace of God much more. It's more than any sin any man can ever sin. Did much more what? Abound. Hallelujah. Then verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death, so the consequence of sin is what? Death. Even so, might death, might grace, I beg your pardon, reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So the forces of eternal life, one of the forces is grace, another force is what? Righteousness. It's a vehicle unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that is why we need to understand or decrypt righteousness. Righteousness is the state or that ability to stand before God without blame, without fault or sin. Righteousness is what? That state or ability to stand before God without what? Without blame, fault or sin. And it must be given to, to you by God. Because you can't earn it, neither can you what? Achieve it. It's the free gift of God. It's the free gift of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 2 to 4. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And today, as much as we want to decrypt righteousness, we want to zero in or subtitled the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. There is what is called the, the, the Christ, our righteousness. And then the righteousness of God. And today we want to look at the righteousness of God under decrypting righteousness. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about, I beg your pardon, go back again. And going about to establish their own righteousness. So you can have what we call self-righteousness, which is based on 10 steps of doing this or this number of steps I need to do to become this. That number of steps. The Bible says because of ignorance of or an understanding, not lack of understanding of the doctrine of righteousness, they begin to establish their own righteousness. It's called self-righteousness. And that is in itself is a sin. Because you have made the death of Christ ineffective or useless. And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So there is such a thing as the righteousness of God that man must submit themselves to. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So we said that when you believe, you have entered into eternal life. And that eternal life also declares you righteous. It declares you righteous. Declares you righteous. It is not based on the num some steps that you must take. Or it is not based on applying certain principles. You don't become righteous by applying principles, certain principles, or following some steps. You are made righteous. 
Romans chapter 10, the verse number 10. The scripture says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. It comes by believing the gospel. So righteousness comes simply by believing what? The gospel. Believing the gospel, which involves the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the steps to righteousness, not for any other step. Believing the death, the gospel, which involves the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. So we don't obey to become righteous. There is such a thing as obedience of faith. There is such a thing as obedience of righteousness. But we don't obey to become righteous. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for what? Our justification. So he was the one that was raised. His raising brought us justification. Jesus' death and his death on the cross and his burial forgave us of our sins. We'll look at that a little bit um, later on. But his resurrection brought us into justification. And the word justification is a big word, but it's simple. It just simply means just as if you did not do it or being declared not guilty. You have done it. You are, you are the one that did it. It's evident. There is every evidence that shows that you did it. But the scripture says you are declared not guilty. Man was declared not guilty or declared righteous. To be justified means also to be declared righteous. Hallelujah. To be declared righteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 19. So we don't obey to become righteous. Jesus' obedience made us righteous. His obedience made us righteous. It's the Bible says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So his obedience is what made us righteous. We were not made righteous because of what we can do or what we did, but based on what he did, what Christ did in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and in also in the fulfillment of the law. Because no man could fulfill the law. And so he came to fulfill the law. That's why he's called Jesus the righteous. So with this, we can, we, 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 anytime a man is declared righteous, you have, you have entered into a state and a permanent status before God, our Father. You are declared blameless. Hallelujah. You are declared what? Blameless. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3 to 4. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. In heavenly what? Places. So when you come into Christ, you have also come into a place. Christ is a place. It's called what? And the Bible talks about the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Christ is a place. And inside Christ, there are places of spiritual blessings. Verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 
that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. He called us and chose it and chose us. And 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 yeah, chose us is the right word to become what? Holy and unblameable in love. Hallelujah. Unblameable. Unblameable. So we are now in his presence. No sense of guilt. That is what it means to be unblameable. In other words, you come before him, no sense of sin. There is no sin consciousness. There is no shame consciousness. You can come before the Father unblameable. What does that mean? That means that the blood of Jesus has done its full work of reconciliation in your life. We can't be reproved not to stand before. We, can't, we cannot what, be reproved not to be able to what, stand before the Father. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 to 22, the Amplified Version. We see the story of Abraham in, in, in Romans 4. Don't go there. The scriptures talk, tells us how Abraham believed God and was counted what? Righteous. Why? And Abraham was made unblameable before God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 says, And although you at one time were estranged and alienated from him and were of hostile attitude of mind in your wicked act activities, Verse 22. Yet now has Christ, the Messiah, reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh. So his work, his full work of reconciliation has taken place when his body was broken for you through death in order to present you holy and faultless and irreproachable in his father's presence. Hallelujah. This is what he did. He made you to become what? Unblameable. So to be declared righteous is to be declared unblameable. Is to be declared unrighteous. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. To be declared irreproachable and to be declared faultless. Hallelujah. Abraham was declared faultless. Genesis 15, verse 6. The scripture makes us understand that when he believed God, he was counted unto him for what? Righteousness. Genesis 15, verse 6. It says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. In other words, he was made unblameable. So we are declared not guilty by faith. That's why it's a force. And we'll look at that on another day. We are declared not guilty. Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. Philippians 3 9. It says, and be found in him not having my own righteousness. So we said earlier on, some people have their own righteousness, but we are not supposed to have our own righteousness, which is of the law. So self-righteousness is, it means you are putting yourself as a Pharisee and a Sadducee. But that which is through the faith of Christ, so I beg your pardon, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of what? Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So righteousness is procured on the platform of what? Faith. Faith. Faith in what? Faith in the finished work of Christ. That what he did was complete. So the way into God's presence has now been made available to us. Not by our own deeds, but by the deeds of Christ. By his own efforts. 
and through his blood, his eternal blood. So our faith in his blood is what makes us to become what? Righteous. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 to 26. The amplify, please. Romans chapter 3. So I stand before the Father blameless. I stand before the Father guiltless. Along the line, if you are able to cover it today, fine. If you are not able to cover it, we'll look at it on Wednesday. What it means, we'll look at sin, forgiveness, under the, under the contract, under the new contract, and what you do when you come into sin. Do you, can you sin? Can a believer sin? We establish on Wednesday that the scripture says that he that is born of God cannot sin. But yet the scripture also says, if I speak to you, my little children, if anyone that you sin not, but if anyone sin, you have what? An advocate with the father. And he's dealing with children. Children that can sin. Then you see three categories of people that the father dealt with. That, that John was talking about. They, they talked about the young men. Then he talked about the fathers. For the fathers, he says, they cannot sin. So there, when that scripture was talking about they cannot sin, it also means he's dealing with, in terms of context, He's dealing with some particular group of people that he know they cannot sing the fathers. Praise God. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 to 26. I read. All are justified and made upright and in right standing with God freely and gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through that redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat. Christ was put forward as what? A mercy seat and propitiation by his blood. The cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God's righteousness. So there is what is called God's righteousness that is manifested. And it says, the way God's righteousness was manifested is what we are seeing in this scripture. God was angry with sin. Decided to condemn sin. Through one man, all was condemned and all died under sin. But through God's own righteousness... God decided that he will appease himself in himself. And we'll look at that in a moment. Let me not jump ahead of myself. So the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over and ignored former sins. Without punishment. Hallelujah. Wow. That's awesome. Now we want to look at that. And, um, and then we'll be bringing our service to a close until Wednesday when we will go further. The righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'll be dwelling mainly on Romans 3, 23 to 25 in a moment. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what the power of God 
unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jew first. For the Bible says, for hearing is the righteousness of God. So there is what is called the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So the righteousness of God was revealed in the gospel that Paul was not ashamed of. And how was it revealed? It was revealed in his forbearance through Christ being made the mercy seat and propitiation. The word propitiation, very big word. And it's a word we want to look at. Now, propitiation has three Greek words that I want us to look at to help us decrypt God's righteousness or to understand God's righteousness. Now, the word propitiation has three different Greek words that are used at three different places. The first one is hilasterion. H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. The second Greek word is hilasmos. H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. And then the third one is hilaskomai. Hilaskomai. That is H-I-L-A-S-K-O-M-A-I. And these three are very, very important. They are very, very important in the sense that hilasterion represents what we call the altar of burnt offering and the mercy seat. Hilastrion represents what we call the altar of what? Burnt offerings and the mercy seat. And Hilasmos makes reference to the animal sacrifice itself. Makes reference to what? The animal sacrifice of the propitiation itself. Whereas Hilaskomai, on the other hand, refers to the appeasement of God, which we looked at in another word called expiation. An appeasement of God by the offering of an acceptable sacrifice. I'll take it again. Hilasterion references or refers to two places for propitiation. It refers to the altar of burnt offering and the mercy seat. And Hilasmos refers to the to, refers to the animal sacrifice of the propitiation itself. And then Hilaskomai refers to that appeasement of God's anger of the offering of an acceptable sacrifice. Now, if we look at the book of um, Numbers, chapter 19, verse 2 to 3, Numbers 19, 2 to 3, Numbers 19, 2 to 3, let me read. It says, this is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke, came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her 
before his face. So the red heifer was supposed to be slain outside the camp. This represented Jesus Christ being killed outside the city on the cross. In the Old Testament, that is a typology of Christ being killed outside the city. He was the red heifer in typology in the Old Testament being sacrificed. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 to 14. The scripture says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifier to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. To serve the living God. So the first thing the high priest would do is to take the heifer and kill that heifer. And when he kills that heifer, that heifer is put on a bent on, 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 on an altar and on a bent altar and it is roasted. That burning represents the judgment that came upon that animal. It is the same that came upon Christ's body. When Christ was killed, the judgment that came upon Christ, all of man's judgment came upon Christ. The scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says that, and so it is appointed unto men once to die, and after death, judgment. And for this, this man also was what sacrificed, was given as a ransom. So his life was a ransom. That bent of bent sacrifice. His life was that sacrifice that was placed upon the altar, the hilasterion, that was placed upon the altar. So these three processes Christ needed to fulfill for him to become our propitiation or for him to become our sin sacrifice. Hallelujah. For him to become our sin sacrifice. For him to become our sin sacrifice. So there are three processes involved. The altar of burnt offering, number one. Number two, outside the camp. And then three, the mercy seat. These three places are the places of propitiation. The places of propitiation under the Old Testament were number one, the altar of burnt offering, where the animal was placed on the burnt offering and sacrifice. Number two, outside the camp, the heifer was killed outside the camp. And, or, and then number three, the mercy seat or behind the veil where the blood was shed upon the mercy seat. Hallelujah. So this constitutes the division of man. God's division was to be appeased by the sacrifice offered. So man's part was to do this part. That is to bring a heifer that must be sacrificed on the burnt offering. To also what? To carry the heifer outside to be killed outside the camp, and also to be shed on the mercy seat. God also had a part, but man's part. And so when Christ came, Christ had to come as man so that he can fulfill man's part. But when he resurrected from the grave, he also fulfilled God's part. Hallelujah. So he fulfilled man's part. John chapter 1 verse 29, the scripture says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin 
of the world. Hallelujah. This ushered in the new covenant. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, so how did this happen? Very easy. Matthew chapter 5, 23 to 24. Well, let's skip that. Go to um, go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2, 13. Let's compress the time. Now, for propitiation to be fulfilled, God himself fulfilled all the three parts. How did he do it? He became our Helestrion. He also became our Helasmos. And then he also became our Helaskomai. Man could not have done anything, especially with regards to becoming our propitiation. Colossians 2, 13 says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, how did he do this forgiveness? There was a divine exchange. Hallelujah. There was what? A divine exchange. A divine exchange. Let's quickly look at a few scriptures that touched on all this. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. On propitiation. And how that made our righteousness to stake. Romans 3.25. It says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. So we have established that faith in his blood is what gives a man what? Eternally saved. To declare his righteousness or the righteousness of God. For the remission of sins. The word remission here means the taking away of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Let's take it and amplify it again of that 25, please. It was to demonstrate. No, verse 25. I beg your pardon. Whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat. We said Elastion could also mean the mercy seat. So Jesus became the mercy seat. And propitiation by his blood. He couldn't have become a propitiation without his blood. So this word here, used for Hilasmos, I beg your pardon, Hilasteron, is not the same as Hilasmos. The one here is what? Is the mercy seat. The mercy seat. The mercy seat. Now, if you look at 1 John chapter, no, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit together, down together, giving us joint sitting with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. And I told you earlier on, Christ is a place. And inside him, we have found our place. Hallelujah. We have found our place. In 1 John chapter 2, 1 to 2. It says, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. 
And if any man sin, ye, we have what? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation. The word is the same English word here. But in this case, it is not hilasion. It is the word hilasmos. Can we take it and amplify, please? Let me see what amplify says. And he, that same Jesus himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice. So Hilasmos is what? The atoning sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, in typology, he was the mercy seat, but he was also the red heifer. He was also the bull. He was also the goat. He was the sin sacrifice. He's also called propitiation. So the sin sacrifice, so Jesus became our sin sacrifice. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And he is our Hilasmos that taketh away. He says, if any man sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is also what? Our propitiation, our atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of what? The whole world, the whole cosmos. And later on, I will talk about that, how the sin of Adam affected the whole cosmos. That's why the scripture says, the whole earth groaneth for the manifestation of the sons of God. It is not only for the sins of men. It also affected all of the elements, including the physical things on the earth. And so our redemption is not only for us. It's also for the earth. Hallelujah. There is a glorious liberty for us. Praise God. Now, if well, let's, let's look at another word that was used for, 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 for propitiation. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, as I bring this, uh, and then I sum up the whole summation and bring it to a close. Hebrews 2, 17 says, Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now, the word reconciliation there, can we take it in Amplified? It's another word for propitiation. And it's another word for great. It says, so it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, that is a sympathetic and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation. The King James used reconciliation for the people's sins. And is the Greek word hilaskomai to make propitiation. Hilaskomai. To make what? Propitiation. Which means to conciliate or to appease or what we call expiation. That is to say God's, he became the satisfaction for God's anger. So the judgment that was placed on him. So number one, when Jesus became the sin sacrifice and he was became the burnt offering and the burnt sacrifice outside the, the tent, that burning or that burning represented judgment. God's anger was all placed upon him. Now, but him as well, 
was also our propitiation in the sense that he was our helasmus. He was our sin offering. So Jesus needed to also become our sin offering. The Lamb of God that took it away, that taketh away what the sins of the world. So our sin bearer was Jesus, the Lamb. So as the Lamb, he was also slaughtered. Not just that, then his blood was carried into the heavenly holy of holies, into beyond the beyond the what the 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 the, 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 the beyond the veil, into what we call the mercy seat. And on the mercy seat, his blood was sprinkled. The, in the Old Testament, the blood of that animal was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Then the presence of God will come into that that press and into that mercy mercy seat area and into the holy of holies. And then the priest will be carried into the air. But in this particular case, Jesus became our high priest, and this happened when he resurrected. When he resurrected, he became our high priest to be able to enter the heavenly holy of holies. So there are two things that took place. When Jesus died on the cross and when our sin was placed upon him, Romans 5.21 says, Him who knew no sin became what? Sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God. When he died on the cross, he became our sin bearer. He also became the sin sacrifice. So his death sacrificed, satisfied that. But when he died, he was buried. On the third day when he resurrected, then he became our high priest. And not just our high priest, he also became our mercy seat. So his resurrection was what actually consummated and appeased God's anger. And that was what declared him righteous. Jesus became righteous because he entered into the heavenly holy of holies to sanctify the whole heavens and the utensils. And when he sanctified, the Bible says God extended to him the right hand of fellowship and said, sit down at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. The scripture makes us understand in Romans 3.25. Please go, go to Romans 3.25. Let's finish there. So, and thank you for being um, amplified. So, what does it mean by the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God meant that God himself, not man, God himself decided to become the sin sacrifice. God himself decided to become the burnt offering on an altar. God himself decided to become our mercy seat to Peace himself of his anger, not by any man's efforts, but God himself had to do it. So Jesus became man, such that he will fulfill all this. Whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice. So he did not only cleanse, he also gave life. I say he also gave life. When he, his, when he sat on the mercy seat, he became a life-giver. That's why the scripture says, the first Adam was a, a living soul, but the last Adam, our Lord, is what? A life-giving spirit. He gave life. 
Therefore, as you are hearing me today, as you enter into the righteousness of God, you receive life. It's called eternal life. It's called what? Eternal life. The life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation. We've seen what reconciliation means. It also means propitiation. It means God has been satisfied. He says, the anger has been satisfied. I paid myself to be received through faith. All you have to do is by faith. Accept this by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. So God's righteousness was demonstrated in him himself becoming a sin sacrifice. In him himself becoming our, our what? Our bent offering. And then in him himself becoming our mercy seat. And our great high priest carried this his own blood and sat on the mercy seat. Or he put it on the mercy seat. And the Bible says this demonstrated God's righteousness. So he became God's righteous. God decided on the basis of justice, man cannot do it. I will do it by myself. He chose himself and he became the sin sacrifice. He became the burnt offering. He also became the mercy seat. Scripture says, this showed God's righteousness. It means I am just and I'm right. I've recorrected everything and I've righted everything. And what that does is that that life-giving force that you receive on the in doing new birth is that rightness that was given to Christ. The Bible says he was given a right hand of fellowship so that you and I can also become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. This is what he did. This is what the righteousness of God is. The righteousness of God is God himself satisfying the claims of justice to satisfy himself and appease himself. Appease himself. So the righteousness of God therefore pertains to all God's work in dealing with the issues of man's sins. And this is the reason why the righteousness of God was never known in all the scriptures until it was revealed only in the gospel. Hallelujah. In the gospel of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says in Romans 1.16 as we close, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, for therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. There is what is called the righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. There is what is called the righteousness of God. I'm showing you the differences in the righteousnesses. When you say I'm the righteousness of God, which kind of righteousness are you talking about? But this is talking about all that God did by his own divine will and mandate. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. What a joy. It's a dispensation. We've stepped into rightness. Let's rise to our feet. We've stepped into rightness. He gave us the right hand of fellowship. He says that now you can step in because I've appeased myself. I'm no more angry with man. I've reconciled man. There is now another side of that that we need to look at. He says he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. It means we now, as the righteousness of God, can now extend the righteousness of God to other men. Hallelujah. That is what it is. We can give others life. 
We can give others life. Right now, I want you to begin to speak now. Peradventure, there is anybody that is suffering death in your environment. The scripture says that he was the life-giving sacrifice. We have received that life-giving spirit such that anything in our environment, because of the righteousness of God, we have the life of God. We can extend life. Begin to minister life to everything around you. Life to sicknesses. Life to death. 2 Corinthians 5 21 says, for he, for he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We cancel death. In the name of Jesus, we minister life. We minister life. Life to finances. Life to jobs. Life to sicknesses. We minister life now. In the mighty name of Jesus. We minister life. In the name of Jesus. We minister life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. He was our Hilasmus. He was also our Hilasterion. And he also was our Hilaskomai. In other words, our mercy seat, our burnt offering, our mercy seat. And he's also the sin sacrifice. The sin sacrifice. We bless the communion today. As we partake of the communion, that is the blood of the sin sacrifice. We are declaring by virtue of the blood of the sin sacrifice, we are receiving life. The Bible says this is the record that he has given to his son to have life in himself. The same life that he had, he had it in himself. In other words, the son became a life giver. Hallelujah. Therefore, as we partake of the life of the blood, the life of the body, he gives life to his body. Jesus is the head of the body. And he gives life to his body. And he gives life through the communion. As we partake in the broken body and in the blood, we are receiving the same life. The same life of God is being transmitted. It's being passed on. It's being transmitted. It's being passed on. It's being transmitted in the name of Jesus. Take your elements wherever you are in your homes as we break the body of Christ and as we drink his blood, we are receiving life in the name of Jesus. Take the broken body and receive the blood in Jesus' name. Now begin to minister life to your body, to your environment. The Bible says it's a life-giving sacrifice. <laughs> life-giving sacrifice. Life-giving sacrifice. Oh, we speak life. We minister life. Life. Eternal life. We command death to cease. Sickness to go. We correct every abnormality by the life of God. That same life is within us. We minister life. We subject everything that is around us to the life of God. We minister life. We subject everything around us to the life of God. We decree and declare the elements, they subject themselves to the life of God. Because we carry life, we minister the same life to everything around us in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now it's time for us to take our offerings. If you are home, you know how to, the, the account details will be put on that on the screen. It will be below somewhere on the screen right now. Or it will be on, on the screen right now with our account details. And, and if you are writing a check as well, well, if you are able to post it, it's to the embassy of the word of God. We will gladly receive that check. But if you are paying by PayPal, you can go to the bottom of our website, the, f- the first page or any of the pages, just the bottom bit, you'll see a button, pay by PayPal or donate by PayPal. And when you give, it will go directly to our accounts. And I will call you if you're tightening. I will call you and pray with you specifically because I need to release the priestly blessing over your life. Now lift up your offerings and your tithes as we pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithes and our offerings. We are lifting it as a sacrifice, a sacrifice, a sacrifice before you, Lord. Our offerings comes before you as a sweet-smelling savour as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Our tithes come as a sweet-smelling savour, sweet-smelling sacrifice before you. Receive it from us, Lord, and let it be used for the furtherance of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, give, and it will come back to you. When you give, give to the Lord. Oh, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, give. And it will come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We want to thank God for your life. A lot of us are doing very well. We are not relenting in our giving. And it is helping the work of the kingdom. Because even though we are not meeting physically, we still come to do the broadcast for you to enjoy and everything from the auditorium here and so all the facilities are still being used as if you are here and so your giving will go a long way to be a blessing to the kingdom praise god now next week from thursday the 9th to the 12th we have our word alive conference that is coming up and so we'll be broadcasting to you live every single day we're not going to miss word alive because of corona we're having word alive from thursday 6 p.m each night And we will find time more to delve into the word and understand the mystery around the death, the resurrection, and the burial. And we will see what the New Testament, the the, 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 the New Testament is to the believer. Hallelujah. So the theme for our Word of Life conference is understanding the everlasting covenant. Understanding the everlasting covenant understanding the everlasting covenant so we will delve into that and that is starting thursday all the way to sunday every single evening you will come we will camp around the word and feast on the word 
and I tr- trust me, God will be will be visiting you at home in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our weekly meetings are the same. On Wednesday, we'll have our midweek service. Make time for questions. We are quite aware that last week, a lot of you had problems connecting because of the internet. And so we have made um, adjustments to that. I'm sure you will not experience the same problem this coming Wednesday. And then also subsequently, and then Thursday, our weather life starts all the way to Sunday. Get ready. The Lord will visit you. Praise God. Hallelujah. The children's service as well on Sunday is from 9, 9.30 to 10 before the main service starts at 10. It will be broadcasted on Zoom. And so the parents should take note and make your children available and ready to be part of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. As impartation, I want to pray for you as you step into the new month. Lift up your voice and begin to thank God for this new month. In the mighty name of Jesus, le caparose tangla seketegla eveklos kobaradada hai iklende kleskata. Oh, thank him, appreciate him, thank him for this new man, thank him, thank him for the power of God that is released ahead of you, thank him for the way that has been made for you, thank him, thank him. The Bible says, in him we live, in him we have our being, in him, in him, in Christ, in Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and in him we live, in him we have our being, we have found our place in that eternal city that eternal city is christ he is a place and we dwell in him in the mighty name of jesus you can't dwell in this place the bible says in this city none in the city shall say they are sick none in the city shall say they lack their mate none in the city shall say they are sick therefore we decree and declare as the son of righteousness wherever you connect to him that is what you receive from him now receive heal health and wholeness in the name of jesus as the son of righteousness beams over your home over your life over your children everywhere you step on the bars everywhere you go as the lord of hosts the son of righteousness goes ahead of you every the heavenly rays burn out every viral infection in your atmosphere in the name of jesus step into health step into vitality step into strength in the name of jesus now i decree the blessing of the lord over your life i speak over your life that this month you will not hear bad news neither will you hear evil news in the name of jesus yours and everyone that is part of you they are protected the bible says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty the lord himself jesus is that secret place and we abide in him therefore we are protected we shall say of him is our rock our refuge our fortress in him we trust the bible says the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night every terror of the night we come against it in the 
name of Jesus. We decree and declare as you step into the month, you are blessed. Your traveling is blessed. Your going and coming is blessed. Your children are blessed and protected. Your home is blessed and protected. The month of April, you will experience eternal life. You will walk in the life of God. You will experience abundance. He says, I am the door that any man that cometh in and goeth out shall find pasture. Receive pasture this month in the name of Jesus and beyond. I say receive pasture in the name of Jesus through the medium of the airwaves. I say receive pasture in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything you lack now becomes available to you by the supernatural finger of God we release in the ministry of angels to minister to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Be protected. Be defended in the mighty name of Jesus. As many of you that are celebrating your birthdays in the, this month of April, we bless you with the blessings of heaven. I release the blessing of the month over your life and beyond and I decree that as you have stepped into a new age, may you experience the goodness of the Lord. May the hand of God come upon you so strong. May you begin to see new dimensions of God's grace. Eternal life manifests strongly in your life. Eternal life will manifest in your health. Eternal life will manifest in your finances. Eternal life will manifest in every area of your life. Eternal life will manifest in your career. In this month of April, as, as you step into this month, experience grace on every side. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's share the grace in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy follows us as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you and shalom. Okay, into, the, into April. All right, now I pray for everybody that celebrated their birthday in March. We speak the blessing of the Lord over you. We decree and declare that you are blessed. We declare that you are blessed. We declare that you are blessed. In the name of Jesus, you will not be coronated. We decree and declare in the name of Jesus, you will be exalted. You will be elevated. You will be elevated. You will be made a king in the name of Jesus. King in life. Experience the kingship. Experience kingship. They that receive the abundance of grace. Lambano grace and the gift of righteousness and king in life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you all for coming. And God bless you.